From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, hello, yes, Mr. Rob Roop. Thank you very much. It's me. It's Mike. It's Mike Davidson lives. Thank you very much for downloading this go around, hanging out with me for at least a half an hour. Uh, might sound a little more energetic than usual. Uh, recording this Sunday night at 11 o'clock. Although this time last week it would have been around midnight. Uh, we fell back, you see. Uh, daylight saving time came to an end here in Indiana and many other parts of the country in the overnight hours. So uh, get ready. Uh, if you are going into work listening to this on a Monday morning to hear everybody gripe about setting their clocks back. I had to do that earlier this afternoon. I had to take a clock off the wall, spin the wheel back, and set it an hour earlier. A lot of work. Yeah. You really don't have to worry about that anymore. I, mean, I, I guess back in the day, that would have been a big bitch. I get that. Because, well, not everything's automated, but, you know, everything is now. So things just seemingly just kind of set themselves. And you don't have to worry about that as much. Um, I do get the gripe, though, about uh, how pointless it is. And if I had my way, if I were running things, and God help us if they, we were running things, I was anyway, uh, I would keep Indiana on Daylight Saving Time, Eastern Daylight Saving Time, uh, permanently. Wouldn't go on Central Daylight Time because uh, then you know we'd still have the issue of the sun setting at like 3 in the afternoon. Not a big fan of that, but uh, yeah, it gets darker earlier now. And I noticed that as I was watching a really bad football game. I uh, get to that here in just a little bit. Uh, had a horrible windstorm here in northeast Indiana yesterday. A lot of wind because, you know, November's a transitional month in terms of seasons. We had a pretty warm week this past week. Warmish this upcoming week, and it looks like it's going to get balls cold the following week. So November will get back to normal here uh, in a matter of days. But uh, because of all the weather changes, you know, you get some wind, storms every now and again. And the town of Rowan here in Indiana had a wind gust of about 80 miles an hour. So this was some serious crap going on yesterday. And uh, uh, my neighbor, my next door neighbor, had his mailbox smashed by a trampoline swing set combo that blew from across the street that was untethered. So that's something that my neighbor has to contend with. Uh, you know, my wife made uh, sure that I went outside and took in all of our patio furniture and all that stuff so we wouldn't have to worry about Things like that happening. But if you have a big honk in anything and a windstorm comes, wouldn't you like bring that in or try to tether it down as best as possible? It just seems like if you have a trampoline, you're inviting chaos. And uh, that was the case yesterday, unfortunately, for my neighbor's uh, mailbox. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was something. And probably get a few more of those uh, coming up as it gets colder and colder. Okay, um... Kind of a serious thing here, and I can't really say I'm the world's biggest uh, Aaron Carter fan because you know it just wasn't my genre of music. But his brother Nick had a, a successful go around in the boy bands. Aaron tried to follow suit with uh, the name, and of course the solo career not as big. Had a big history of drugs and alcohol. Unfortunately, found dead in his bathtub at the age of 34 this past weekend. And you know it's sad. It's because it's it really doesn't surprise anyone. It, you, you wish things were different in that sort of situation, um, but I don't know if that was such a shocking death. Like, you know, when I look at some of the rock uh, rock artists, rock bands I follow, you know, you know, Tom Petty dying was a big one for me. Uh, Chris Cornell obviously was a big one for me. 
uh, when, when I found out Scott Weiland, formerly Stone Temple Pilots, died of drug overdose years ago, I think that was pretty much to the surprise of no one. And I, I remember just a couple years before that overdose, he was doing... Um, he was doing an interview on uh, when when Nikki Six had his radio show that was syndicated nationally on radio, and how how Scott Weiland just sounded out of touch, uh, oblivious. He sounded like a, a very monotone robot. And contrasting that to the show I saw years ago, he did down indie uh, one of those rare bouts of him being sober, where Stone Temple Pilots they were just kicking ass on stage. Great show. Uh, not the same dude, not the same dude, uh, and it's hard when uh, somebody can't kick those uh, those demons, and unfortunately, Aaron Carter, one of those people, and he's passed away, and of course, condolences to his family. It's a hard thing to go through. Uh, kind of going into the rock realm here, Judas Priest getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, finally, kind of a weird induction class, I mean, them, Duran Duran... Lionel Richie, Dolly Parton, and Eminem. That is a very eclectic uh, mix there. But uh, I guess they had like an all-star jam on Jolene at the end of the night for the induction ceremony. Rob Halford was up on stage with Dolly Parton. If there was ever a duet I wanted to see that I didn't realize I wanted to see, it would be that one. Uh, kind of a side note on this whole thing. Uh, Eminem keeps looking weirder the older he gets. And I don't know what it was, but I guess during his induction speech where he was, um, you know, name-dropping a bunch of uh, R&B hip-hop artists that uh, were a huge influence on him, uh, he kind of looked like Nicky Six from Motley Crue. He had this really weird all-black thing going. Uh, <laughs> so he kind of had the rock look a little bit uh, when uh, he was inducted. You know, the whole debate, though, of... Uh, who's a rock artist and who should get in with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I've kind of just, like, given up on. Because if you go, uh, as uh, Mr. Announcer Rob Roop once explained to me, rock and roll back in the day meant pop, popular music. And then, you know, hard rock kind of spun out of that a little bit. Uh, so Rock and Roll Hall of Fame kind of fits. I wouldn't be opposed to starting a hard rock Hall of Fame where you just put in the rock bands, because I'd, I'd be all about that, too. But... Uh, you know, Judas Priest kind of got in on a technicality, like with like a weird Lifetime Achievement Award, right? Uh, but they should have been in decades ago. And look, I don't care what uh, fan of what genre you're a fan of, be it hip hop or rock or country or whatever. You know damn well that there are a lot of deserving artists that need to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and a lot of these guys and gals probably won't get in until they're dead. Sad to say, um, but, you know, it, it, just looking at the rock genre, man, uh, Soundgarden's not in, Allison Chains is not in, Iron Maiden is not in, uh, and I could go on and on on that, in that genre. They need to uh, expand the induction classes and get these people in in a hurry, because there's, a, like I said, a lot of deserving artists that should be in this thing already. Okay, so going from music to football here, um, before I go into the 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 shitstorm that is the Indianapolis Colts right now. Just what what a phenomenal weekend of college football. I mean, a little heartbreaking if you're a Volunteers fan. Uh, Tennessee did fall to Georgia. Georgia still stays number one. Ohio State and Michigan, two Big Ten powerhouses, uh, number two, number three in the country. Uh, that Thanksgiving weekend game is going to be huge. Just uh, that's going to be strange, is just because that is pretty much fighting it out for 
a playoff berth uh, postseason here. But uh, the two big games, I guess congratulations to you fighting Irish fans. Uh, Notre Dame's getting their shit together. Uh, they beat Clemson convincingly up in South Bend. And meanwhile, uh, Brian Kelly, who used to coach the uh, fighting Irish, shocked the world with LSU beating Alabama. Alabama is now ranked 10th in the nation. And unless uh, something miraculous happens, like they get hot or and a bunch of teams go cold or, you know, uh, AP writers and pollsters just uh, want to monkey with the system and put them in the top four again, looks like they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. It's it's great, you know, that them and Clemson may be on the outside looking in. We could have a new uh, king of college football here by the end of the year. But it is weird because, uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, Brian Kelly – uh, formerly of Notre Dame, has a big night. Notre Dame has a big night. It was almost like two exes uh, bumping into each other in the street months after the breakup, uh, trying to prove who has the the better life now. <laughs> I guess I guess LSU, I guess Brian Kelly would win out on that a little bit because they are in the top ten. Notre Dame's uh, struggled a little bit, but uh, like I said, Notre Dame's getting things together and looks like their head coach now is buying some time. Uh, you know, Fr- uh, Frank Reich could use some of that time, by the way. Uh, Indianapolis Colts coach. Bad day in Foxborough. Not that the Patriots are in any great uh, shape whatsoever because Mac Jones does not look a, a good quarterback whatsoever. But uh, you know who else is not a great quarterback? Sam Ellinger. And uh, the proof is in the pudding, the uh, the shit pudding. 26-3 was the final score. The Colts, um, uh, God, I don't have the official stat in, for, in front of me, but... Uh, 1.9 yards per offensive play. They didn't convert on any third downs. Like that 1.9 per yard offensive play number that I just gave you, uh, that's a new low. It's like the lowest they had in about 40, 45 years of the franchise. So this was a historically bad day offensively. This comes after uh, two weeks uh, two weeks after they benched Matt Ryan. This comes a week after they fired their uh, their offensive coordinator, um, and now, you know, you're just sitting there looking at uh, the output, how this team has struggled offensively. You know, the blame game is running thin, and Frank Reich, you know, I I, I like this guy, um, but I think, you know, two things. One, him going all in on Carson Wentz was an, uh, a mistake, and two, uh, he's obviously not the quarterback whisperer Chris Ballard made him out to be. Uh, which begs the question, what the hell Chris Ballard has been doing as, as a general manager? Um, the, the blame game is pretty bad. But, uh, you know, I, I, I kept thinking back to the days of uh, uh, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, everything, because that's what you do. You look back at the good days of a franchise, and those were the best, and a lot of fans, uh, we, we were spoiled. But uh, the one thing that they had going for them uh, was Bill Pullian. And he was not just the general manager. He was the director of football operations. So what they need now is somebody not named Jim Ursay uh, calling the shots in terms of personnel. You know, Jim Ursay should not be, like, doing uh, any HR work until after the season. You know, he shouldn't be determining uh, who, who should be the starting quarterback or any of this stuff. He should have somebody who knows what they're doing do it like he did back in the late 90s. Uh, through 2011-2012. He doesn't have that right now. He's uh, he's in full uh, stoned Jerry Jones mode. What he needs is that person so he can go off and buy um, auction guitars from Rock Legends 
And, you know, the Colts have to cut cut ways with both Ballard and Reich. I uh, wish things were a little different with Frank Reich. I figure uh, if Andrew Luck didn't retire, maybe Frank Reich would have a different story, a, a different um, song to sing, really, about his tenure in Indianapolis. Just not working out. Uh, nothing's working right now. But uh, just just proof positive, man. If you've got a, um, a quarterback that just started their first game like uh, Sam Ellinger did, last week maybe just maybe don't cut the offensive coordinator loose oh well uh so they're in full meltdown mode the indianapolis colts uh full meltdown mode on um well let's not get to twitter yet let's talk about uh the upcoming snl host uh for this uh this upcoming weekend and that would be the one the only dave chappelle and it'll be post-election. And just a reminder, Dave Chappelle is not a conservative. He's pretty liberal on some things, but he's also very critical on his side of the aisle. So uh, regardless of what happens uh, election night, uh, either the uh, the big red wave comes or the Democrats survive to fight another day, whatever, uh, don't expect Dave Chappelle to be crying behind a piano. Expect jokes. And if they hit below the belt and you feel offended, well, I mean, that's, that's what he's supposed to do. That's what comedians are supposed to do. They, they tell jokes. They, they reflect a little bit of truth in what they're feeling. They don't cry behind pianos. But uh, to, uh, to the politically correct uh, SNL crowd out there, uh, they're, they're a little upset because, well, oh, is it uh, the Onion AV cr- uh, Club is like, did, does the cast not know what Dave Chappelle has said? <laughs> <laughs> no, they they haven't looked at the internet at all. Uh, Onion AV Club don't, and that's the other thing too. They're they're guilting SNL for uh, making this decision to have Chappelle host a third time, but and you know saying that cancel culture is not a thing. It's uh, you know you know words have consequences and all this other crap. Uh, but it, it kind of proves the point um, that uh, you know cancel culture doesn't exist when it doesn't work. And Dave Chappelle has pretty much said, no, you're not going to cancel me. So uh, he's going to host, and it's going to be very interesting to see what he says. I mean, is he going to be uh, launching out at conservatives, or is he going to be launching out at Democrats? Who knows? Um, but he's not on Twitter doing this. Um, you know, he tried Twitter and gave up. I think his official account is still floating around out there somewhere, but he just he used it like once, and that was it. And that was years back. And as you know, famously in The Closer, they tried dragging me on Twitter. I don't give an F. Twitter's not a real place. Well, it's a real fun place. A real fun fake place right now that uh, Elon Musk has taken over as uh, the uh, chief twit over there. Uh, A lot of celebrities are losing their S. A lot of journalists are losing their S over the uh, blue check verification thing. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know damn well that if you're a journalist, it's not a tax some somebody was saying that on Twitter, like it's a tax to uh, do free speech uh, for journalists on Twitter. Well, Twitter is not a right, first of all, and secondly, uh, you know damn well that your publication or your uh, news network or whatever you work for is going to comp you for that. That will be kind of a, a worker's expense type of thing. So you know, yeah, quit spouting that bullshit. Um, but somebody brought this up on Twitter, too. Uh, the, the, a lot of these people are not upset about the fact that they have to pay 8 bucks a month to be verified. They're upset that you, if you wanted to be verified, and you damn well could be, 
Uh, if you wanted to uh, shell out a whopping eight bucks a month, you could. Huh. <laughs> it's uh, basically now um, Caddyshack, and all the caddies have uh, jumped into the pool, much to the chagrin of all the Bushwood estate members. That's that's what's going on with that. Uh, but, you know, everyone's talking about how uh, all the disinformation on Twitter could sway the election this week and other things and uh, how the, how dystopian this all is. And celebrities uh, are leaving in mass, just like, you know, Sarah Bareilles and uh, Shonda Rhimes. It's, it's amazing Twitter hasn't crumbled into the sea because of their departures, right? Um, but uh, some comedians, some actors have been suspended, had their accounts suspended by Elon Musk because apparently there's like this thing. This has happened earlier this evening. Uh, like Kathy Griffin, who is uh, Kathy Griffin, who is a uh, just notoriously loudmouth, and uh, yeah, she doesn't skirt away from what she believes. Uh, she changed her profile to Elon Musk and pretended to be Elon Musk and was trolling people and all this other stuff as kind of a protest. Her account is now suspended indefinitely, and Elon Musk says it doesn't get back on until she pays the eight bucks per month. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's a private enterprise, as like everybody on the left was saying uh, back in 2020. You know, if you don't like it, go build your own Twitter. You know, so Kathy Griffith, go build your own Twitter, I guess. And and I don't know if I'm a big Twitter fan. I do have a Twitter account, but um, it's been fun to watch all this unfold. And um, I tell you, it's 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 a lot better than a lot of network shows out there. Certainly better than watching the Indianapolis Colts game. All right, so the celebrity meltdowns over Elon Musk owning something that uh, I, I could care less if uh, if he succeeds at or you know burns to the ground. Just the fact that they're throwing temper tantrums uh, is is just bliss. Kanye West needs to experience bliss here. Uh, he needs to figure out what the hell is going on in his life. Uh, I don't think he even knows what he wants half the time. He's always contradicting himself. And saying things uh, that are, you know, strange and stupid. Um, just a few days ago, because, you know, he's lost a, quite a few uh, lucrative endorsement deals, a lot of lucrative business deals. I guess he took to Twitter to talk about how he was going on a fast where he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't do anything, he wouldn't have sex, no drinking for 30 days. But his tweets will still be lit. Yeah, that's kind of like talking Kanye. And then he started going on about uh, other things on Twitter and uh, how he couldn't be anti-Semitic if he's the Semite. So he's trying to uh, proclaim that uh, because he is black, he is the OG of Jews. Is that is that what I'm getting here? I uh, don't understand it at all myself. But okay, so if you're going on a fast and you're not going to say anything, you don't say anything. You just, you just get up and go. And I, and I brought this up... Um, couple episodes ago what Kanye West needs to do is get away from people for a few years go out in the mountains <laughs> chop wood you know uh, become a better man and you know read a few books it can be any book you want Kanye I know you don't like reading but uh, it gives you food for thought you can pick up you know anything from a political spy thriller to a trashy romance novel I don't care as long as you have a reaction to the book and it gets you thinking about something other than the crap you're saying Maybe just maybe he'll bring you down to earth a little bit, but uh, that's not happening. But the, the whole thing about the fast, too, aside from the fact that he's being hypocritical about it as hell, um, the no sex part, like, what does that 
how does that relieve any tension? Because I, from what I can understand, a lot of the reason why he's nuts to begin with is because uh, Kim Kardashian loved him. And it's not to say he hasn't been having sex since she left, but I think that's frustrated him the most. I mean, why else would he lash out about Pete Davidson uh, uh, seeing her like when he did? So uh, what I would say to Kanye is like if uh, if you want to get away for a few years, the books and the chopping of wood, you know, uh, bring a special lady friend with you. You know, stay uh, stay busy, stay occupied. That's what you need to do, <laughs> and 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 keep the tweets. Um, uh, unlit for a little bit just just stop with all the uh you know i'm the original semite type of stuff it's it's not a good look all right uh a quick update politically here locally and by the way um i just give you a heads up i might do this a little bit wednesday predominantly just because i'm not a, a political podcaster here um but if the election tuesday goes the way it goes it's because of one particular issue, and it's not the issue a lot of political pundits are going with. So I will dissect, if, if, if it goes the way I think it will, I will dissect it a little more. But that'll be like later on in the week, so heads up on that. But uh, kind of uh, giving you an idea of how the political machines work in any uh, level like locally, nationally, whatever. Um, as you know, a few a uh, few weeks ago, Tom Henry, the mayor here in Fort Wayne, uh, got in trouble for drunk driving. Uh, damn near hit somebody, and uh, his wife and his mother-in-law were in the car. He was uh, the the legal BAC here in the state of Indiana is .08. Uh, he was at a .15. Uh, he's already been sentenced. The trial's already happened. And it's a suspended year uh, of jail time for him. So 365 days of suspended jail time, which means he won't set foot one in a jail cell uh, if he keeps his nose clean, keeps quiet. He can't drive for 65 days suspended. No alcohol, must submit to random alcohol testing and drug tests. He's got to pay the city in restitution about 2700 bucks. 390 bucks to the other driver involved in the crash um, and I'm sure her insurance will handle everything else but uh, considering that uh, I think pretty much all both vehicles were ruined I'm not sure what that really accomplishes to be honest but basically this episode is done uh, with the drinking of Tom Henry behind the wheel and it was probably pushed through the courts just to get it done sooner because he is 70 and he's running for a fifth term next year as mayor of Fort Wayne, he doesn't want this to be a distraction. It's uh, another reason why uh, his wife's cancer prognosis was made public, I'm sure. Uh, not to be too cynical here, but uh, that came out a week after the the arrest. So uh, later on in the year, as they're wrapping up, when they have the State of the City um, interviews uh, that they do locally here in Fort Wayne, and the reporters talk to him about that, he's just going to be talking about the... Uh, how his wife's fighting strong and by the way i do hope that she fights as hard as she can because uh, it's it's a pretty serious disease she's got but that's going to be the focus his vision him running for a fifth term will be the focus and anybody that would vote against tom henry doesn't even live in fort wayne everybody's moved out of town limits so basically it looks like he's going to have a fifth term and that's that's all done on purpose to just extraditing this expediting actually expediting is the word i'm looking for expediting this uh this drunken uh drunk driving thing just to get it out 
get it done. Okay, justice is served. Next thing. Oh, look, I'm still mayor, and you're still going to vote for me because uh, nobody's going to run that's going to beat me. That's that's how they roll. That's how it goes, man. Get it out in the open and uh, just go on to the next thing. That's what they're doing. And uh, it looks like the whole drunk driving episode is done. And you can bitch about it. And I know it's not right, but you know what? It's done. It's done. Also, what's done? Westworld, uh, the HBO show, uh, the sci-fi show that was based on the Michael Crichton property. Uh, I think it was Jonathan Nolan, the... Um, uh, the the brother of Christopher Nolan and J.J. Abrams, they launched it on HBO. First season, uh, some of the most phenomenal television I've ever watched. Uh, some of the most phenomenal sci-fi I've ever watched. And I thought it was a great show for one season. Season two, uh, if, it's alright, I guess, suppose. Uh, that wouldn't be a bad way to wrap up this whole story. No, let's do season three. Which makes no friggin' sense whatsoever. It's a complete dumpster fire. And then season four, I think a lot of people were met on. Uh, at its peak viewing, Westworld had 12 million viewers. Uh, I think this past season four. So it's lost 67% of its audience. HBO, Max, Discovery, Warner Brother, AOL, whatever they're calling themselves, has decided to cancel the show. Um, and, uh, there was going to be a season five, but don't worry, all the actors involved, all the crew involved are still going to get paid, even though the show tanked. So, you lost two-thirds your audience, and you still get paid to do nothing. And someone was trying to explain this to me on social media. Well, you know, that may have been the way the contract was, uh, negotiated. I think that's a problem, though. If you know you're going to get your money in advance, I, uh, and, uh, Regardless of how the show turns out, why would you even care about turning out quality product? Yeah, I mean, if the money's coming, uh, you don't have to work that hard at it. And you could tell that uh, season three was not really well thought out. And, and that brings the other point, too. If you have an awesome concept, uh, why would you pretty much use all the money shots, so to speak, in one season? Why Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to like spread that out a little bit for storytelling's sake? I'm not saying water it down, but uh, after all that happened in season one, uh, it's really hard to top what happened. And you could tell that they didn't know how to get off the highway with this one. They didn't know how to bring this all home. And viewers noticed it. Viewers knew it was getting confusing and stupid, and they left. And it's just it's sad because that property had a lot of promise, and it ended up being crap. And you know what? It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I really did like the first season. But if I was to go back and rewatch it, I don't know if I could finish the first season because I'm like, I know where this goes. And it doesn't go anywhere pleasant. All right. A uh, couple of, well, okay. One of these things is unpleasant. The other one might be pleasant. Um, TikTok was actually used as a warning against the challenge. So mom went on to TikTok talking about um, the one chip. Carolina Reaper challenge and this was a thing uh, uh, the morning show on the bear did back uh, when the bear here had a local morning show and uh, it uh, caused a lot of pain apparently uh, Carolina Reapers are just nuclear hot and never tried it don't care to try it but uh, kids are trying it and they're in pain trying to do it and the mom is warning that her daughter had to go to the ER because uh, she made a bet that she could eat this one Carolina Reaper chip 
and about partially the way through, uh, you know, she started sweating, vomiting, stomach cramps, all that stuff. What I'm saying to you is don't put this in the stuffing for Thanksgiving uh, because it looks to be pretty bad. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that's the other reason, the thing, too, is like uh, with spicy food. I mean, I love a kick, but I don't want it to kick my ass totally. I don't understand why anybody would eat just to be in pain. It kind of brings me back to a few weeks ago when I... Uh, had the mistake of putting that habanero on my sandwich and I couldn't finish the sandwich. I had to tap tap out on that. There's no way I'm going to try the Carolina Reaper thing. And also, uh, park rangers are warning against uh, going into parks, especially desert national parks here stateside, and licking the Sonoran Desert Toad because I guess the poison, well, the poison's not good for dogs. If a dog eats a Sonoran uh, desert toad it will die uh, but with humans if you lick it or you smoke uh, whatever comes out of the skin it'll get you pretty friggin high like you'll hear things you'll be euphoric they say but don't lick them or smoke anything from them that's what they're saying and I, I, you know if these rangers were smart they wouldn't have said a damn thing because nobody would have thought about it now now there's going to be an uptick in park rescues because of these people wandering around uh, trying to roll a frog or a toad or whatever the hell into uh, rolling papers to experience that high man. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. There was a frog that was in our garage Halloween night, and my wife picked it up because I didn't want to touch the damn thing. All right, so I think that's about it. Uh, uh, remind me though, aside from the politics thing, uh, my wife and I know were talking about Thanksgiving menu this year. And I really like the idea that she's got, and it's got me thinking, and I might share that, if not next episode, uh, the episode after that, because we are getting closer and closer to Turkey Day, one of my favorite holidays. So with all that said and done, enjoy the rest of uh, you know, the next couple of days till I talk to you. Till then, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 